The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. Penrod, so excited to be here with you this morning. I want to start by saying that my face today is a reverse advertisement for Makeup Forever. I am so allergic to so many things, so I almost exclusively use Makeup Forever makeup, and I can't locate my makeup this morning. So I ran to Target and bought other makeup, and I'm, I, I, just, I just want to say, if don't adjust your television, I did not age 10 years. It's because I can't find my makeup forever. And that's how why I love makeup forever. Uh, okay, reverse advertisement. <laughs> and then I'll be back uh, later this week with, with uh, makeup forever and you can do a comparison when I find my makeup. Anyway, excited to be here with you tonight because we are gonna be launching this Friday, the, the 2023 Autism Live Toy and Gift Guide will launch and you'll be able to look at it before you go to do your Black Friday shopping and see what kinds of toys we were recommending. By the way, you will also be able to look at the last couple of years of guides so you can shop across multiple years, but we tried to put things in this year that we thought were particularly great and relevant this year and always, I, you know, we're going to talk about what it is that I'm always looking for and what I heard from some of our judges this year about what they were looking for in top toys. We're going to talk about that. Um, I, before that, I want to get through some business and then we have someone we want to pay tribute to. I want to remind all of you that if you're watching right now, the chat is open. I can see if you guys write in your questions on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. We love to hear from you. This is an interactive show. We love your input. The show is live right now. Today is Monday. I don't know what the date is. What is the date? <laughs> I never know what the date is. It says it somewhere on here. Oh, it's Monday, November 13th. And um, we're excited to be here uh, live with you 2023. And we'll be live for this whole entire hour. The show will podcast later on and it'll be available wherever you get your podcasts. The video version of it will also be available on YouTube, as is the last 13 years worth of videos. So please search for topics that you want right into us. Uh, our fabulous Chris Desmond is showing you so on the screen some of the places where we podcast to, like iHeartRadio, Spotify, where every place that you can get a podcast for a free download. So please check out those places. And by the way, our podcasts come with advertising because that's how we keep the show on the air. We do not charge you guys for the download, but our sponsors help us to cover the costs of the show. So please listen to those ads and thank them for sponsoring us. But also for some of you have said, hey, I would rather, you know, contribute a little bit so that I don't have to listen to the ads. If that's you, then we are very proud to bring you an ad-free version that you do have to pay for. It's on the screen right now, glow.fm slash autism live if you want to subscribe to the podcast and get it without advertisements. And it's $5 a month, or if you buy it across an entire year, there is a savings um, that we give to you because um, they don't charge us every time. They're just running your card once. So we pass that savings on to you. So that actually is cheaper than $5 a month if you buy it for a year. Glow.fm slash Autism Live. And by the way, when you do that, you get both Autism Live and Ask Dr. Doreen for one price. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, <clears throat> okay. Last week, we got some sad news from a lot of our friends who work at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders, and they asked us, even though I never had the pleasure of meeting this wonderful woman, Jessica, and I hope uh, for her family's sake that I am not slaughtering her last name, but we think that it's Lightwise. Um, what an incredible, the stories that I heard about this young woman in the last couple of days, I, I wanted to make sure that we paid tribute to her today on the show. And I want to read a little bit from her obituary because she did pass away last week. And 
uh, she has left a ginormous hole in the hearts of so many people. Um, she is an amazing, they, they say, beloved daughter, sister, educator, entrepreneur, and advocate for the autis autistic community. Her legacy is a testament to her unwavering commitment to making the world a more inclusive, loving, and accepting place for all. She was a dedicated and compassionate board-certified behavior analyst specializing in teaching autistic children. And I get emotional, even though, as I said, I didn't know this young woman, to hear her accomplishments for such a young life that she had and how much promise she had for a career filled of helping people um, that unfortunately was cut short. Uh, I get emotional thinking about all the families that this young woman helped and all the people that she still can help because she wrote several books. We're showing them on the screen right now and I'll talk about them in just a second. Um, they said she has been practicing since 2008. Her work was her passion and her mission was to empower and uplift the lives of those she touched. For over seven years, she worked for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. Later, Jessica was pivotal in launching the Southwest Division of the ABA company Path to Potential in Arizona. Jessica even helped to oversee the yearly tennis summer camp for kids with autism in Palm Beach, Florida, under Path to Potential and Love Serving Autism. Her outreach and impact are unmatched in her field. She was an entrepreneur as the founder and CEO of Hope Education Services, an organization dedicated to helping families affected by autism by providing information that is easy to understand and apply. She was also a published author and mentor, uh, producing study guides and video series for future behavior analysts studying at, to take the ABA exam. Uh, I, I just, I just want to take just a second that there are... Um, these are just four of the many books that she has available. If you were to go on Amazon, you will see, and I'm sure that you will find something for you, whether you are studying for the BCBA test. Um, she has a full mock exam uh, to help people prepare. She has affirmations if you're needing an affirm affirmation. She has a guide for parents for ABA and a wonderful compilation book. This is Autism with lots of different voices of lots of different people describing their journey. So we are so sad that Jessica's work on this planet has come to an end, but we know that her work lives on in all of the people that she treated, their parents who she helped, and all of the people that she mentored who continue to do her work. We're sending a huge hug to her family and letting them know that that time she spent will live on forever. So um, our condolences, absolutely. And to the, all the friends that she made at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders who are hurting today. Uh, it's so sad when we lose a colleague, but especially one that was this bright and this young. This one hurts is what somebody said to me uh, on Friday. Uh, sending a hug to her family. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, Nancy, it's so good to see you too. I'm so thrilled that you're here. We're talking today about toys because it's all about toys for me right now. I'm, I'm weeping a little bit, sorry. Um, all about toys for me this time of year as we get ready and on Friday we are launching the toy guide and we've been making videos and oh, we have got some amazing toys this year. But somebody asked me the question, in general, Shannon, what is it that you're looking at for toys? What do you think makes a great toy for somebody who's on the spectrum? Now, obviously, it's not one size fits all, right? And especially because you have to take the individual's interests into consideration, but you also have to take into consideration their skill level. So we're going to take a little look at this, uh, and we're going to go through them really quickly. The top 10 things that I really look for in toys and gifts for individuals that are on the spectrum. And then I'm gonna go back and go through them a little bit slower. So uh, let's go ahead and look at number one. My biggest question that I ask, because if it doesn't have this, what's the good of it, right? Does it spark joy in the child, teen, or adult? We're looking for that joy. Number two, does it challenge them to grow? Because an easy toy isn't the thing, right? Number three, 
can it survive play? If it's a great toy and it breaks after the first time, really, what, what good is that? Number four, does it build skills? Is it something that is useful to them? Number five, <clears throat> can it be used in many ways? I want, to, I want value out of my toys, right? Number six, does it allow for interaction? Or is it totally a, a, a solo thing? I like to look for interaction. Number seven, does it build self-esteem? Because I always want to put self-esteem in our kids' backpacks. Number eight, does it spark creativity? Is there room for the child to create? I love that. Number nine, does it foster learning? And number 10, dun, da, 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 can you pl play with it together? Can we do it in terms of community? Okay, so that, those are the kinds of things that I'm looking for when I look at a toy. And I um, have looked at a lot of toys <laughs> this year and in, in recent years. I've looked at a lot of toys. And I have to say, I, I feel like... Uh, Maybe I miss, I'm, and I'm looking, we have a, a Christmas setup in the studio right now uh, where all of our toys are right now. And there's some pretty incredible toys there, you guys. I'm really excited for you guys to see the toy guide. And I wanna say that on the show next Monday and Tuesday, we're gonna be unveiling some of our top toys on the show and demoing them. And you know, I always love that because it gets very chaotic here when we're showing toys. All right, so let's go back and look at through, through these and let me talk about specific toys. And if there's something that each one of these brings up, please write in and shout out a toy and go, oh, you know, the toy that that makes me think about is this toy, right? So does it spark joy in the child? Because now I will make the case that it's not the be all end all, right? Because sometimes we put a toy into our children's hands and they don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to play with it. They don't know how to make it do anything, right? Um, so sometimes you got to demo it a little bit and you have to demonstrate how to play with it. Um, but still, at some point, there should be joy in the child's face and joy in their body, in their being with this toy. Think about like what toy as a child sparked that joy for you. And think about with the child of your heart right now, what toy sparked joy in them. I have to say, that <laughs> like it's the crazy, do you remember a couple of years ago, it was probably 10, well, probably 12 years ago now, that the big toy of the year were, there was a giant Nemo fish and a giant shark fish. And it was this blow up balloon that you put in your home and it had a remote control that it, it could kind of motor itself um, through your house. And we got my son, the shark. And I am telling you, the, the thing about this toy, I'll be honest with you, because it was a helium-filled thing, it didn't last for very long. Um, and it wasn't perfect how it interacted with the controls, but we laugh until we weep about that toy and how much fun we had with that toy. Because it was, you know, on Christmas Eve, there are certain toys that, you know, need to be set up, right? That Santa needs a little bit of help with that. And there was a part in our house, our house was a two-story house with a very open uh, staircase. And we were af afraid that the shark was going to float up to the top. And, and if the remote didn't work for long distances, it was this whole thing. So we had to shut him up in the kitchen downstairs. And there were these double doors in our old house that we could shut uh, the doors. And it was great for our dog. But we shut, we called it Bruce, the shark. We shut him downstairs in the kitchen and didn't think anything of it and everybody went to bed and whatever. It's Christmas morning and even before anybody gets up, my mom who was visiting went downstairs into the kitchen to make a pot of coffee because my mother could not do anything without a pot of coffee. And so she went in, put the pot of coffee on and as she turned around, the shark, which actually like gets, it's attracted to people. I don't know the helium in it, it gets attracted to warmth. And so she turned around and was face to face with the shark and screamed bloody murder, dropped her coffee cup and we were all up, it was Christmas morning. But 
and, and that was pretty hilarious. But then we had so much fun steering that shark all over the house. And it looked like he was swimming in our house. Absolutely amazing. And I can still remember the way that my son laughed until he fell off the couch because it was so enjoyable. It doesn't have to be uh, a crazy expensive thing to spark joy, right? We love to watch the, the videotapes of the, the babies that laugh when you're popping the bubble wrap, right? We want to see joy. And, and it doesn't have to be the most expensive toy in the world. I always think bubbles. Bubbles spark joy, right? And we do have some bubbles in the toy guide this year. Uh, okay, let's move on to number two. But please write in, what's the toy from your childhood or your child's childhood that sparked joy? I would like to hear at least one person tell me something. Okay, does it challenge them to grow? Think about all the ways that that you can be challenged to grow. I love when a toy is something that a child can win at. I don't want it to be so difficult that they are frustrated that they end up throwing it um, and, and just being like, ah, uh, no. But I love the idea of it's, if it's something that you get close, I, I'm going to give away one of the um, things that's in the toy guide that's an oldie but a goodie is the game Simon. Do you remember that? Um, it's the round thing with the four different colored lights. And I remember when I got Simon uh, for Christmas one year that it was not something that I was good at. My spatial, like my hand-eye coordination and my spatial memory, not my strongest even now. Um, but I wanted to get good at the Simon. And the thing about Simon is that it, it gives you a sequence, right? There's several different gameplay, but the one that I like is the one where it gives you a sequence. Uh, and, it, and it flashes and it makes a noise, yellow, blue, red, right? And then you have to remember, yellow, blue, red. And then it will give you, it'll do the sequence again and it'll light up another light. So maybe it goes yellow, blue, red, yellow. Um, and now you've got to put in the same sequence that it did to see how many you could possibly get. And I love that kind of a toy because it pushed me. It pushed me to remember. And when I didn't get it, I'd go, oh, but I knew that there was the potential that I could. If I could just get one more in the sequence, um, and so it pushed me, it challenged me to grow. Over the years, there have been so many, this is such a big deal to me for our individuals who are on the autism spectrum, um, that I'm always trying to find something that pushes my son that, that in the most positive way that challenge him, challenges him in something that he wants to do to be just a little bit more at it, to push himself just a little bit more. Now, there are people who, somebody said to me recently, but, you know, do we constantly have to be pushing our children? No. No, we don't constantly have to push our children, but there's a far cry from never pushing to pushing too much. I don't want to be the parent that's just like always, always, always pushing, but I really don't want to be the parent who's never pushing either. Um, that it's a very hard line in between. But if we're talking about a toy, a toy that sparks joy and it pushes them, it challenges them to grow, there's nothing wrong with that. Having fun while you're being pushed and challenged is actually a very good thing. I put, for those of you listening in podcast, the picture here is a little plant. It's a little seedling that's starting to grow and unfurl its leaves. We want to push it to grow, right? Okay, number three, can it survive play? The, the, the toy that comes to mind for me the most was many, many years ago. They had the Jedi mind control toys, and my son wanted the one where it's got the little ball, and you put on the little uh, biofeedback headband, and you have to concentrate and use the force to make the ball levitate. And we, you know, he wanted this toy in the worst way. This is the toy that he got. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a wildly expensive toy, but it wasn't an inexpensive toy either, right? And I believe that we got it at Costco and purchased the toy, wonderful, and opened it on Christmas morning and the toy did not work. The toy did not work at all. It wouldn't power on. Um, so it became this 
thing where we, we took it back to Costco, we got another one, brought it home, and it and it worked, but it it like, I don't know, the connections in it or something, uh, it worked for maybe seven days and then it didn't work anymore. We took it back to Costco and of course, Costco had packed Christmas up. Um, they had to give us a refund, we had to go find the toy, we got the third one and it worked for maybe seven days and then it no longer worked. And by that point, we kind of gave up and went, okay, this is just one of those toys that can't survive play. I think we've all been through that kind of a toy, right? Where you use it once and the thing no longer works. I'm always looking for a well-made toy that survives not only Christmas Day, but survives a whole lot of play and has the potential to be handed down to the next generation. When you think about the toys of your lifetime, right, you don't hang on to all of them. You, you know, some of them you outgrow and you give away, but think about what are the toys that you kept from when you were a child? There might be one, right, that you wanted to hand down to your children. And it had to be something that had staying power enough to do that. It's one of the reasons why I really love, and I find myself often in the Melissa and Doug aisle, is that there are these really well-made toys that, um, you know, are, are really, they spark that joy, they last forever, you can hand them down to the next generation, and I love them. Nancy says, puzzles, wooden pug puzzles that had a magnet fishing pole to catch the ocean pieces and place them in holes. Uh, Kay loved that thing, and we made her man for each piece was such a great speech tool. I do love, I remember that too. Jem had one of those too that um, had the magnetic fish. We didn't have the wooden peg puzzle with the magnetic fish pole. We had them separate, but I sort of love that. Uh, Parker says there are some kids that want toys from like 20 years ago. For example, is it, is it fruitless to find those? And, and Parker, I want you to know, I don't think so at all. In fact, one of our toy categories is oldies but goodies. As I was saying, the Simon one, we love to talk about retro toys and why they're good for our kids. So give me an example though, Parker. What's the toy from 20 years ago that you would like? And, and I can tell you maybe if it exists. Uh, still, you know, sometimes you can find on eBay, they have toys um, that are pre-owned, that are the retro toys and maybe they've been restored, right? But a lot of toy companies have a whole line of their retro toys and there are stores in some malls where that's all they sell are the retro toys. I was so excited a few years ago because I wanted to get my son some color forms. Do you guys remember color forms? They were the craziest little, I, I don't know what the, the plastic is on them, but they were almost, they felt magnetic, but they weren't. They were just a little sticky and you had a, a uh, a scene and you took off of a sheet and you could put different shapes and people and build all kind of things and they sell color forms again. It's very exciting. They were on the toy guide one of the last two years. Um, okay, so hi Deborah. happy to see you. I, I know that we're uh, not uh, able to help you right now with the issue that you're going through, but we hope that you're doing well. Uh, Sarah says, Lion King computer game. Ooh, that sounds interesting. Parker says, uh, I have a charity that I support, Shannon. I will email you about them. Wonderful, wonderful. But I want to know what toy from 20 years ago you'd really like to see. Um, because I'm always looking at toys for the oldie but goodie. Uh, and if it's an oldie but goodie, it's something that had the ability to survive, right? Okay, let's move on to number four. Uh, does it build skills? And you know, I don't make this the be all end all for every toy that, uh, my, that I give and every toy that my son ever got. I, it isn't the be all end all, but it doesn't hurt, right? I used to think about it that, um, while we were in our intensive years of skill building through ABA, every hour was precious, right? And if I could find a toy that sparked joy, great. But if I could find a toy that sparked joy and helped him to increase his language, oh, that was a toy worth getting, right? Um, and the toy that first comes to mind is, and it was a well-built toy, it was a, a Fisher-Price, um, 
what did they call them, speak and something, but it had the little crank, right, and the little wheel would turn and it would point to an animal and it would say, the pig says, oink, 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 right? And that was, he loved that toy and he would play with that toy. He was little, 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 but that was a toy that sparked joy. It was a toy that was well-made, that was going to survive, right? And it was a, cho a toy that built skills, that he really learned his animal sounds from that toy. Now, as we age, there are, we're all still building skills, right? Like I remember a couple of years ago that my husband got me a workbook because I wanted to learn calligraphy. And, uh, and it had all these things that I could do and pens that I could do, right? That's a skill building thing, but it was something deeply enjoyable to me and very relaxing. I think we want to be careful that we don't get toys that the purpose of them is to train a skill, right? Um, because that's, you know, if we leave the joy part out, nobody's going to want to play. Speak and say, thank you, uh, Parker. Thomas the Tank Engine Train Table. Yes, I know so many kids that really got into Thomas the Tank. We were, um, when my son was little, we were at that point where we had to decide, were we going to go the Thomas the Tank or they were just coming out with a whole line of trains that we thought were going to be the thing. And so we invested in the other thing and it went away. Uh, what was I thinking? I should have stayed with Thomas the Tank. Uh, but he never actually owned any of the Thomas the Tank. But I know so many people that absolutely love that. And the train table is amazing. I've seen it before. Uh, okay, so let's move on to number five. Uh, can it be used in many ways? I'm always looking at a toy and going, what can it do and how many ways can we use it? Now, years ago, one of the things when we were waiting to start services at CARD, I kept asking everybody, what do I need to have in the house? What do I need to have in the house? And finally, somebody said, oh, you know, because um, we were doing an early start intervention and they said, oh, this is a great toy and your son happens to love it. And basically, it was a board with holes in it and it had little plastic pegs that were red and yellow and blue and you could stack the pegs on top of each other and you could stick them into the, the pegs and, and put them in different positions and stack them on top of each other. And I looked at that toy and I went, really? Is this the best we can do? Is this really? And I remember the person who was showing it to me said, what do you mean? And I said, this is so unimaginative and so, un it's not exciting. Where is the joy in this? And she said, oh, watch me play with this toy with your son. And so uh, she put a circle of the things into the pegboard and she goes, oh, let's sing happy birthday. And, and so it looked like a cake. And, and she said, okay, we're going to sing happy birthday. And she sang happy birthday. And then she said, okay, blow out your candles. And my son went, oh my gosh. Okay. First of all, she's working on oral motor, getting him to blow. Brilliant. Right. But she also was taking and, you know, something that he had seen, learned through observation about blowing out candles and making that shored up so that it's a social skill, right? And she had him flexible enough to, they, they weren't candles, there was no flame. He was playing pretend with her. And I went, oh, what else can you do with this thing? And she said, oh, how about I do sorting? And she could, and so what she did was she lined up and said, okay, I'm doing all yellow. Can you match? And then he lined up all yellow. So he's matching, which is a great skill, but he's also hand-eye coordination, getting the peg to stick in the hole, right? And then they started to build. And they would build patterns. They would say, okay, what's the pattern? Build the pattern. She would put a yellow one, a red one, and a blue one and say, okay, now you build. And now he's building the pattern. He thought this was great, by the way. He did not find this boring. He thought it was amazing. He thought it was fun because she made it fun. So I always, since then, I love to look at a toy and go, what else can it do? Like, is it just a, is a one-trick pony or can it do a whole bunch of things? Some of the top toys that we have in this year's guide, oh my gosh. 
There is one toy in particular that I am so over the moon about. I can't wait to show it to you on Monday that can do so many things. It does everything except fold the laundry. <laughs> it really does. And I'm so excited because I can't imagine a child ever being bored with this toy. So how many things can it do and can it be used in many different ways? What I also find interesting is that sometimes toy manufacturers are very literal and they make their toy and they go, this is what it does. But then they're amazed when they take it out and see children play with it, that children find different ways to play with it as well. So, uh, I, you know, I love to be imaginative uh, that way. Hey, writing with Mike, so thrilled that you're here. Uh, <laughs> and, and autism journey with Elijah. I made it. The time changes messed me up. Good, mo good Monday morning. I know I'm still feeling the time change too. It's a little wonky, isn't it? We go whoop whoop, and uh, it's crazy. But you know what? That always makes me think when we're trying to change something with our kids, and we go, oh, it's only going to be 15 minutes later, and and they you know, it throws them off and maybe they tantrum or whatever, that we need to remember how big of a deal it is when we change the way the light runs by one hour twice a year. We're all a week later and we're still having a hard time. So changing things incrementally, smaller, better and easier for all of us. Okay, number six, does it allow for interaction? So, and this can be interaction between the toy and the child, or this can be interaction between the, the child, the toy, and somebody else playing. It can be interaction between the, you know, another person. What does it do? And I really, really look for this within all of the toys. Even if it's, I don't mind a toy that's solitary, right? I play a lot of solitaire, uh, solitary games. I love to play games. I play games on my phone. Um, but there, it has to be some sort of interaction with the device at the very least, right? I think that's one of the reasons why our kids love screen time is it is immediate gratification. It reacts to what you do. You push a button, something happens. What happens when we push a button on an iPad and, it, and nothing does happen? We become very frustrated because we are used to that interaction. And because our kids are so addicted to screen time and that immediate interaction, I really want to look for that in toys that don't have a screen, right? Um, so I, I, I keep looking at my little bobble head here. Um, that, but there is a cause and effect interaction that happens here. If I bob her head, she bobs and her little earrings go, um, right? It can be that simple. My son used to like wind-up toys. Um, but there, there has to be the interaction between the wind-up toy and then, you know, it plays the cycle and then it's over. So I'm, I'm always looking for that piece. Whenever I see a toy that's not really working for a child, it's because the, it's not immediately obvious to the child what the interaction is. And sometimes you have to demonstrate it to them. I, there was a toy, and we've had this in the toy guide before, that my son had, and they come in all different kinds, right? But it's a, it's a series of boxes. It's like one long thing, and there's like five different boxes. But it has little controls. Like one, you push a button, and it's a little pop-up that maybe, you know, I think his was Sesame Street. So Oscar the Grinch would pop up, right? Um, and then if you twist the next one, then, you know, Big Bird pops up, right? And each of the five buttons had a thing and it popped up. But I remember my mother putting it in front of my son and being so excited for him to play with his toy. And he was like, you know, okay, whatever. Uh, and I was like, oh no, something's not right, right? But my mother was like, no, no, you got to show it to him. So she went over and she, you know, had it in front of him. So he had the view of it, but she pushed the button and the little grin, the, you know, grouch pops up, right? And now my son is interested. Something popped up out of something, but he didn't understand the connection between the two things. And what did my mother do? She immediately closed it. And my son was like more interested in the mechanics of it. Like, wait a minute, where did he go? Where did he go? And so my mother again demoed it and pushed the button. Grouch pops up and my son is reaching for it. And she goes, oh, where did he go? Like, and so, and he finally had to be like, I want to know what it is she's doing to make that thing happen. Great. 
So eventually he pushed the thing and the, you know, the grouch pops up and my, my mom's like, yay, my mother was not trained in ABA. We didn't know about ABA. This is pre-diagnosis, right? So, so now she points to the next one for him and he doesn't know whatever, right? So she slides the little thing and Big Bird pops up. And again, she does the same thing. She taught him how this toy interacts. So if you find that you get your child a toy and nothing's happening, um, don't be dismayed, but help them to find the interactive piece in the toy. Help them to see what their reinforcer will be. And I think you'll be amazed because then, then it might be that that toy that seemed like a nothing sparks joy now, right? That's how we get to the sparking joy. Um, yeah, and writing with Mike says, um, <laughs> thank you, first of all, for finding us on Facebook. Yay, that's Chris. All Chris, the amazing Chris Desmond. Uh, but they say that uh, their child never got into those kind of things. And, and you know what? Can I be completely honest? Most of our kids don't at first. It kind of seems like work to them, and they're like, I don't really know what is expected of me. And sometimes they have their own thing going on in their own world that's much more interesting than this thing that looks like brightly colored plastic, right? But I will tell you that whenever I am with a child, whether they're on the spectrum or not on the spectrum, if you find that moment of interaction and connection, they will hang with you there. Everybody thinks, oh, well, they don't, if they're on the spectrum, they don't want that connection. And I'm here to tell you, I don't think that's true at all. I think that they are connoisseurs of connection. And if I have a very interesting inner life going on that I can create things in my mind and it's really, and I can control it in my mind, then interacting with you has to be worth it to me. It's got to be good. It's got to be good enough. So it's kind of like that they're, they're like, eh, I don't know. It's not worth it to me. And we have to up our game to make it worth it for them to interact with us. And you can do that with toys, with the right toys, but it does involve getting a toy that sparks something in them. And for every kiddo, that's going to be slightly different, right? Uh, Joanne, I'm so glad I got online. You're live. So looking forward to your toy guide this year. It's coming out on Friday. Uh, and then on Monday, we start demoing the toys here. Uh, okay, so number seven, does it build self-esteem? This, for me, is critical. If it's a toy or a gift that's something that makes them feel good about themselves, everything else for me is gravy, right? Um, and if there is a toy or a teacher or anybody that makes them feel like they aren't good at something, this for me is a big, big red flag. Now, um, how does this go with our number two, which does it challenge them? I, I found myself all last week quoting my son over and over and over again because we were facing some frustrating things last week at home and at work and just in general, right? And, and when my son was 10, the big quote that he gave to me is, oh, mom, frustration never kills anyone. In fact, it's just a sign that things are about to change. Woo! I didn't teach him that. I'm still learning that. So where did he learn that? He learned that um, through really good behavior technicians who helped him to know that it was okay to be frustrated. It's just not okay to be frustrated for long periods of time. Um, so I think back to a video, I'm going to sneeze here in a second. Uh, years ago, there was a video of a little kid who was taking a karate class. And it, each one of the kids, it was their turn. And in order to graduate to the next thing, they all had to break a board. I think it was with their hand. It might have been with their foot. I don't remember. Um, but one by one, the kids went through, and they were smashing the thing, and everything was wonderful. And then we get to this one little guy who's a little bit timid, and he goes to try to smash it with his hand, and it doesn't go through. And the teacher says, it's okay, it's okay, I want you to try again. He goes, I, I, I don't, I don't want to try again. Um, and the teacher's like, no, come on, come on, come on, we're going to make it fun. And, and the other kids start going, you can do it, you can do it, you can, which is now making this child get even smaller. He says, I, I, don't, I don't want to. 
I, I don't I don't want to do it. And and the teacher says, Oh, but you can. I know that you can. I want you to try one more time. I want you know. And and the child really doesn't want to do it. And I as a mom was watching the video and I was like, Why are they making this kid break this board? And and I was like, they should stop. And and you could tell this child was in real like angst and you know, and the class is going, you can do it, you can do it. And I was like, this is terrible. This is absolutely terrible. They should stop this. As a parent, it was killing me seeing this kid be this level of uncomfortable. And what I needed was a little bit more faith that the teacher knew what he was doing because the teacher was helping him to walk through this moment of challenge and he wasn't harming him. He, you know, they were challenging him and they were pushing him, right? But, and the teacher knew that he could do it. I didn't know that he could do it because I'm, you know, not a karate person and I'm watching a video, right? But the teacher kept saying to him very quietly, quietly, I know you can do it. I know you can. Are you willing to try one more time? And then finally, this little boy goes up and I think that the teacher picked like the thinnest board that there was so that he would get to the success. But the little boy hit the board and the, the board broke and everyone you know, was cheering and clapping and so excited. And the little boy, you could tell that he was breathing and he was smiling and everybody was, you know, rubbing his hair and doing whatever. And he was like, I did it. I did it. And I thought about it and thought, oh my gosh, right? Let's picture 20 years from now that I know people that have had a painful memory of playing Little League or things like that where there's something where, you know, they weren't able to perform or do or whatever and sometimes, you know, they got a nickname or something based on that moment and they continue to live in that moment and have to go to therapy even to get through that moment in life, right? We were watching the Albert Brooks special last night and talking about defending your life and there's the scene where, you know, a kid um, shoves him and says, stick up for yourself and he doesn't in the moment. And, and in this movie, it's years later and he's having to defend why was he that way as a kid and how did he grow up to be that person, right? These kinds of things have an effect on our self-esteem. Um, but then here is the other side of the coin that here is this little kid who went through this challenge and he got to the point where he accomplished something. And what does he take forward with that for the rest of his life? He knows that sometimes things are hard and I can overcome them and that he walks away with a win. So I want to be clear that I'm in favor of us, our kids always walking away with a win. I want us to challenge them uh, and I want us to be as good as that teacher was to have faith in them and say, I, you know, it's hard, but I know you can do it and I'm here with you and, and I'm, I'm going to be here and I know you're going to do it, right? So that they don't get stuck in this feeling of, I can't do it. It's our job as parents and teachers to figure out you know, that we never, we, we would never, for instance, hand the MCATs to a four-year-old and say, here, take this to get into medical school, right? That wouldn't be appropriate. But if we see a kiddo who wants to be a doctor, there are things that we can give a four-year-old to help them on the path to be ready to take the MCATs when they're 24, right? We don't just go, oh, well, let's hope and wish and, and maybe you'll get there, right? We give them things to do. So it's important to figure out what is appropriate for them right now, what do we believe that they can do, and build them up. Challenge them, but make the, make the win happen. The win always has to happen. And that we not walk away from something and let it stew because that's where the fear gets built up, right? If that teacher had waited another week and said, don't worry about it, Billy, we'll come back next week and you'll try to do the board next week, which is what I, watching the video, wanted them to do. I was like, take him to the side, have him work on it to the side. Don't humiliate him in front of all those children, right? But the teacher who's been doing this and knew that this little boy could do this, knew we're not gonna leave this moment, we're gonna give him a win. We're gonna give him a win. Um, and that's really important because that's where we see the self-esteem. Um, so 
we want toys that help our child get to a win. Um, and some of our toys really do. Um, Eli says that he wants to be a cotton candy maker. We're buying him a cotton candy machine for Christmas. Although he says this is, uh, uh, he, although he says this, I'm almost sure his dreams will change, LOL. Absolutely, but I love this and I can't wait to see the videos of him making the cotton candy. Um, because that sounds like a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, I'm also saying hi to Bertha. Bertha, I'm happy that you're with us. Um, <laughs> Joanny says, you have to break that board that day. I love it. Well, and even, and I do think that the teacher reached in and got the thinnest one he could possibly find. But I, I think it's important that we never leave without getting to a win. Now, sometimes does that mean that you have to dial back what the expectation is? Yes, because we're not all psychic and we're not all perfect teachers, right? Um, so, but if I remember so distinctly, whenever they were having sessions with my son, sometimes we would get to something that's really, really hard. They would never leave it on, well, you didn't make it today, but I guess you'll try harder next time. They would always leave on a win, which would mean that sometimes they would have to change the task and say, hey, you know, let's try this instead and then go, look, you can do it, right? And so that we always, always, always leave on a win because that's where the self-esteem is. So very important that we build that self-esteem. Okay, let's move on to number eight. Um, oh, well, he says he wants to come to California and you have to tell me if you come to California um, because I would love, love, love to meet you in person. Uh, does it spark creativity? So Nancy, I think it was you that was talking about the fish earlier. Um, and I, you know, I remember that my son would do the thing with the fish at speech therapy. Absolutely loved that. So we got one for home. And then um, he liked to take the fishing pole with him. I don't know why, but I wouldn't let him take it into, it was Sam's club that we were in. And, but his favorite thing to do was fish at that point. And I'm, I'm just realizing that, we, and we never took him for real fishing. I don't like for real fishing, although everybody in my family does. But um, we, what we would, he, um, we got one of the flatbeds at Sam's Club and he would sit on the cart. I'm sure that's against the rules, but you know, we did. And he, they wouldn't allow, and I wouldn't allow him to bring the fishing pole with him. But what he would do is he would pretend fish and pretend that that was his boat. That, so he would, you know, take his fishing pole and he would put it over, you know, fake, nothing in his hands, miming it all, right, over the side of the thing. And he would reel fish in while we were shopping. And I loved that because everybody tells us our kids on the spectrum don't have imagination. I cry foul. They absolutely have imagination. A lot of times they're very rule oriented though. And sometimes they're adhering to rules that we don't even know that somebody has put on them. Um, but when we tell them that that's a possibility and we do that through modeling behavior, um, I used to, with my nieces and nephews, we had this joke that uh, when we would leave to go someplace, I would say, which car should we take? And uh, I'd say, oh, let's take the green car. There was no green car. And, and I remember the first time I did this with my nieces and nephew, they were like, there is no green car. And I was like, you don't, you don't see the green car on the driveway? And they're like, what are you talking about? There's no green car. And so I went down to the driveway and I pretend to open the car to the door and I got in and I stuck pretend keys in and I went, I'm, I'm leaving. Are you guys coming with me? And now I had three kids opening fake car doors and jumping in the car and we ran around the block together in the fake green car. But that gave them notice that, oh, it's okay to pretend with her. We're going to pretend, and so sometimes they would come to me and go, you know, here, do you like to play with my hedgehog? And I would go, oh, he's the cutest little hedgehog in the world, right? So um, I believe in sending signals to children, letting them know that it's okay, we can pretend here. And that's where you build cre creativity. And if there's a toy that sparks that, whoo, fabulousness, right? Um, and there are many toys in the 
the toy guide this year that spark creativity. We have a lot of STEM toys that I, I love it when it's a kit and they can build something. And then I like to see when they take it apart and put together something, now that they know how it works, take it apart, put it together in a different way. Uh, we used to laugh because somebody gave us a bunch of their son's Legos when my son first got into Legos and they were Star Wars Legos, but they were, they'd been kits, but they'd all been mushed together and there was no booklet anymore. And I remember there was one Christmas that we, we he had this bin of Legos that this kiddo had given him, but I bought him one Lego that was follow the instructions. And I studiously sat there on Christmas morning and was putting it together for him because he was kind of young and I thought he couldn't do it. I thought he couldn't follow the directions to do it himself. It was a dinosaur, I remember that distinctly. Uh, but he was in like five feet away from me in the living room putting together something of his own making. And when we were done, I had the dinosaur, but he had created this Star Wars spaceship that didn't exist from the pieces without a booklet. And my mother just looked at both of them and she said, his is better. <laughs> Loved that, love that memory. Uh, okay, well, I, want, I, I can't wait for you to come to California. This sounds like fun. It's a road trip. Uh, okay, number nine, because we're running out of time. Does it foster learning? And you know, there's skill building, which is really important. And I can call that learning every day of the week, but learning is, even bigger for me than skill building. And I know that there are a lot of people who are, oh, I just saw it over and over and over, and we try to be very mindful in the toy guide that we have toys that are screen time and toys that are not screen time. Because everybody's talking about how do our kids are so addicted to the screen time, how do we get them away from the screen time? And I come from a place that's a little bit more moderate than that. I, I go, what is the screen time doing? Is it really beneficial screen time? Um, because I, I remember there was a game that my son used to play, a video game, and I for sure didn't understand it at all. But it was this thing, and, I, and I'll have to ask him what the name of it was, but he could play all these different characters. And I would sit and watch him play these games, and for instance, he could play the game as William Shakespeare. Or he could play the game as Napoleon Bonaparte right? And, or he could play the game, and it was all these people from history. And within that, he learned all of these different things. And the other day, uh, you know, just literally over the weekend, he said something, and I said, where did you learn about that? And he was like, oh, from that video game. <laughs> and that happens over and over and over again, over again that he, there's like some trivia um, that he knows that serves him well in college, by the way, at a liberal arts college. So I don't hate that game. Do you know what I mean? I, I love how much learning was invested in that game that was passive learning, right? Um, but learning doesn't have to be passive. Um, it can be all kinds of fun things. Like when I was doing Simon, like I was talking about before, I was learning about spatial memory and taking things uh, from short-term memory and building on it because I had a very small short-term memory. That's learning, right? Um, so a lot of the toys that we have in the toy guide, I'm looking at one of them right now, that there's so many things that you can learn about space from this amazing toy um, that if you for sure have somebody in your, on your Christmas list that just loves NASA and space, they will love this toy. But I'm going to guess that if you gave it this particular toy to somebody who didn't already have an interest in space, it would foster one. So I love, I love the learning. Uh, oh, okay. So, and you wrote in and said, I'm nervous. We're about to venture into homeschooling. I guess I need to follow up with you because I have not heard what's happening at school, but that doesn't bode well. Um, we'll have to have a conversation about that. And it's interesting that you would, uh, bring that up because that was a conversation last night about homeschooling because so many of you are choosing that after covid um, and that uh, there's a lot that needs to be put in place when you've got a kiddo on the spectrum. So let's have a conversation about that. But let's right now finish this out and go to number 10, which is can you play with it together? 
So I, I do have some toys in the toy guide that are meant to be played solitary because I think that that's important that we learn that skill and, and, and have that ability to play by ourselves in life and to entertain ourselves. Um, but let's face it, our kiddos on the spectrum are diagnosed with a disorder that is a social communication disorder. So being able to play with others, with us and others, is really important. It's a really important skill because we all need a place to practice things and that part of play is giving you a safe place in which you can practice something and then put it into real life later on. So I can play a card game with you and, and have an interaction with you that helps me to build the confidence, the self-esteem, and the skills to be able to have a conversation without the cards while we're just sitting waiting our food to be delivered, right? I love puzzles. I talk about this all the time. We have a best puzzle in every one of the age categories that there is some puzzles are a social lubricant. You put a puzzle on the table, old fashioned like pieces on the, the table. And I know from my childhood that Sometimes I didn't know how to talk to my elders, right? Or to bridge a conversation, but you end up sitting at a puzzle and you're looking for a piece together and it's like a part of your brain is occupied with the looking at the pieces that allows you to be safe and hear conversations and be a part of conversations that would not have happened had there not been puzzle pieces on the table, right? Uh, another social lubricant for me are puppets. Oh, we have some great puppets in the toy guide this year. I love puppets and I love giving puppets to our kids on the spectrum and watching what happens because it's amazing. You know the whole thing about that there are people who uh, perhaps have a stutter and yet when you ask them to sing, magically the stutter is gone. They do not have, because it's a different part of the brain. I'm telling you, you put a puppet on a kid's hand and sometimes it bypasses whatever is stopping that child from being able to communicate, being able to talk. I love a good puppet, right? But here's the other thing with a puppet, and, and as I was saying with a the puzzle, there is a social component to it. If I have my hand in a puppet and I am, I'm trying to converse with this puppet and usually there's a performance element where I'm conversing with someone else, right? Um, that's building joint attention, first of all. It's building perspective taking, thinking what are they seeing? They're seeing this thing, they don't know my hand is in here, right? Um, really, really important and it makes me want to communicate through the puppet to you. It's a magic trick, but it works for a lot of our kids. So I love a good puppet. Absolutely do. Uh, Sarah says, just uh, uh, Monopoly, just not the Lion King edition from 25 years ago. But Sarah, was it you that said that you loved the Lion King video game? Um, somebody loved the Lion King. Yes, the Lion King computer game, but not the Monopoly version. That's hilarious. Now they have a Monopoly version for absolutely everything. I'm so old school. I really love um, the old traditional Monopoly. Um, I don't really get all the, but you know, if you have a kiddo who has uh, a perseveration on a special interest, maybe that is the, the one to get. Um, but I, now, I, of course, I want to know, Sarah, what was it about the Lion King edition from 25 years ago, Monopoly, that was not good? I have a feeling there's a story behind that. Uh, okay, your son, it sparked the, I see that, that the Lion King computer game sparked joy in your son. Love, love, love that. So, uh, who was 12 and asked for that game when he was four, very difficult to find. Oh, I'm sure. Maybe that's the thing about those toys because the Monopoly games, they, they become collector's items and then people look for them. Uh, I know we, so I think, did we get it or did somebody buy us the, the Monopoly version of Seinfeld uh, once upon a Christmas? 
and um, as you guys probably know, the, the gentleman who played the soup Nazi on Seinfeld is a dear friend of our family. My husband went to college with him. We were very close. Um, and uh, he was with us at the All Ghouls Gala, which was wonderful. Um, and so it was fun because of that. It was fun, you know, we love Seinfeld, but you know, it was fun because we know Larry, and so that, that made it fun. But other than that, I don't, I don't entirely get it. Uh, and I suppose that's probably a collector's item. We should probably have Larry sign it and auction that. I'll see if I can find that. Anyway, um, okay, so I, I just, I hope this helps you guys to go and look for toys, but can I tell you my biggest secret? It's harder to do now than it ever was before. Back when Toys R Us was a thing, what I would do is on a regular basis, I would put my son in the open cart, not in the seat part, uh, but the open part of the cart, and I would tour around the store, and anytime he saw something that appealed to him, I would take it and I would put it in the cart and he could play with it. Um, and, he, and, I would, and I would have like sometimes 20 toys in the cart and it would be fascinating to see how like, because he might play with one toy for a second and then he'd go, nope, and it would get shoved to another part of the cart and then I would put it in the seat part. No, no, that's, that's one that didn't last five seconds, right? But I would also notice, oh, does he need help figuring out how to play with that toy uh, and interact a little bit and see, but by the time we were done, like I would spend like a good hour in the toy store, and by the time we were done, I would have a really good idea of what kinds of things he was into right then. And it's important to put that little asterisk right then, because our kids grow, they morph, they change, right? Their needs in one on Tuesday afternoon might be different on Thursday afternoon, just like ours, right? Um, but that was a way that I discovered what kinds of toys he was into at different times. Really hard to do that now because uh, Toys R Us doesn't exist anymore. But I, I will tell you that for most of you, there is a mom and pop toy store somewhere close to you. And it's worthwhile to go and set aside an hour or two to take your child there. Most of these toy stores understand that component of it and they have toys out that are meant for your child to play with. So I encourage you, take your child to a toy store. I think a lot of times parents get worried and be like, oh no, because they're going to fuss and they're going to fight and they're going to whatever. But no, you can, you can say to them, uh, you know, we're going to go and we're going to play with the toys and you will get a treat at the end. And the treat might be a $2 thing that you buy a pack of bubbles um, as you leave the store. But, you know, don't worry. The first time you go, they might be like, but I want that toy, but I want that toy, but I want that toy. And you might get a tantrum on the way out. But if you have the treat and you give the treat and say, that's what we're doing, then your child learns, oh, we go to the toy store to play with toys, not to buy toys. Then you go back and you buy them when they're not there. And that cements it for them that, you know, going to the toy store and playing with a toy doesn't mean you don't necessarily not get it. They still have Toys R Us in Canada? Sarah, uh, that's amazing. Uh, yes, and they say, but they, he wants to buy the whole store. But we set it up that, you know, I mean, there are places that you go, when you go to Chuck E. Cheese, they know that they're not going home with Chuck E. Cheese, right? Um, so kids understand the rules when we put them in place. And our thing always was that we would go to toy stores and we would not buy the toy in front of him. We just didn't, right? It makes it so much easier when they know we don't buy toys and toys. You maybe get bubbles, maybe a $2 thing, whatever, or you get a treat afterwards. It's a food treat, whatever, but we don't buy toys in front of them. It sets your whole up, uh, life up easier. Um, okay. Uh, and I love that they have toy stores in Canada. We're, we're past time now. Anyway, I so appreciate you guys being here. I am not 100% sure that we're back with Dr. Doreen tomorrow, but I am 100% sure that we are back on Wednesday. We are doing a jargon of the day, and we have two wonderful guests that are going to be joining us on Wednesday. Anthony uh, Vasquez is going to be joining us again, along with his friend Caroline Cur Curry, who's never been on the show before, but Anthony has been on the show before. And they're going to be giving us their update on what they've been doing with Spec Labs and giving us a little insight into their lives as adults, young adults on the spectrum. So we're really looking forward to welcoming Caroline and to having Anthony back on the show. He's been with us a couple of times now. So, and he's wonderful. So, uh, okay. 
and I will look forward to that email. By the way, if you need to email me, my email is shannon at autism-live.com. Shannon at autism-live.com. And before we go, one last thing. You know I love me some Hallmark Christmas movies. This Thursday, uh, I don't know what time zone you're in, so check your local listing. But this Thursday, Hallmark is debuting their new movie for the Christmas season that has, a, I, I'm, I don't even remember what the name of it is. I'll know that for you by Wednesday. But the, one of the main characters is a boy on the autism spectrum. Please support this movie. Please let Hallmark know that we're watching and appreciating that they're including individuals on the spectrum in their movies. I know I've already got it set to tape. Uh, so, uh, support this movie, support Hallmark for making uh, and making sure that they have an autism movie now in every Christmas season. We absolutely love this. Can't wait to see it. All right, we've got to go, um, but we might be here tomorrow live with Dr. Grant Pichet. We will definitely be here Wednesday with a live show, even a jargon of the day. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.